Forget all the standard art forms. The point is to make something new. Something that doesn't even remotely remind you of culture. Culture gives you the message that everything is humdrum. Everything is normal. In other words, culture denies experience. Traditional art is like college education and drugs. It's fed to people who have to sit on their butts for longer and longer amounts of time to get the point. And the point is that there's lots of action somewhere else, which all the smart people prefer to just think about. A radio can be used to create intense visual experiences. In other words, when you hear a sound, a strong, clear sound, you tend to provide a visual image for it. Turn off the lights, slip on your headphones, and open up your eyes. It was 10 p.m., Sunset Strip. It had been a long day. My name is Johnny Spots, private ear for Heller Corporation, Hollywood, California. Don't know how it happened, but I found myself in the middle of a psychedelic freakout in a parking lot of the Bank of America. A chick with hair down to her bare feet and a 100-foot stare in a 10-foot room screamed into my ear, We shall overcome. I said, Baby, we did. Haven't you heard our advertising story? Mass media, she said. Hit me with a 9 by 12 picture of Mario Savio. Don't knock it, kid, I I'm 
In recent years, a whole new pickup scene has evolved in metropolitan areas. I'm talking about the singles bar, the modern phenomenon that started in New York and L.A. and has spread to virtually every city and town in the country. Singles bars are not like other bars or restaurants. Don't kid yourself. Singles bars are for pickups. That's their sole function. Therefore, the ground rules for behavior are different in a singles bar. And you shouldn't try to pretend that they're not. Nobody, male or female, goes to a singles bar just for a drink. They go to meet someone of the opposite sex and, if they like them, to score, right? Because a singles bar is a unique place. It requires a unique technique. The core of this technique is straightforward, assertive honesty. In a singles bar, the last thing you want to do is pussyfoot, hardly expression, around. Paul is a guy who hits a singles bar every so often when he's looking to meet a new chick. Let's hear how he has. Bartender, will you give me a ginger ale on the rocks, please? You're laughing, right? <laughs> Sounds like Paul's some kind of tenderfoot. If you think so, you've already forgotten the most important thing about singles bars. You're not in there to drink. Keeping in mind the importance of being direct, Paul moves straight to the girl he'd like to meet. Oh, excuse me. Uh... <laughs> I couldn't help noticing you, because you're the best-looking woman I've seen in here. I wonder if you might join me at a table where we could talk. Now you think Paul's coming on too strong, right? Well, if he were working a beach or a regular bar, he would be. But here, he's refreshingly direct and to the point. The chick he's picked out, who's obviously wearing nothing but skin under her pink Angora sweater, has been chatting it up with a guy at the bar who hasn't made a single concrete proposal in 30 minutes. So listen to how she reacts to Paul. Say, that's the best suggestion I've heard on there. Good. In fact, why don't we take that table over there in the corner where it'll be more private? Now, how about that? This girl's making it easy, but why not? She's hanging out in this bar for one reason, and Paul's the first guy she's met who isn't pretending he just stopped in for a drink. To score, you have to play your hand straight. And that's what Paul continues to do. Listen. I work in a management training program at the First Charter Bank, and I, I live in this neighborhood. I, I'm into water sports and beautiful girls, which is why I wanted to talk to you. But I can't swim. <laughs> no, but you are beautiful. And I bet you work in an office, too. Paul's giving her both information about himself and compliments about herself. And remember, even the most acclaimed beauty wants to be told that you think she's pretty. 
Paul's also right to guess that the chick is a professional or an office worker of some sort, because those are generally the type of chicks who hang out. Sex glands, the testis and the ovary. When they unite, growth starts, and one cell develops into a complete human being. The human egg or ovum develops in the mother's ovary. There are two ovaries, almond-shaped organs located in the lower part of the abdomen. In the mature woman, one of them produces a fresh egg each month. It is exceedingly small, just visible to the naked eye. When it breaks loose from the ovary, it is carried down a tube called the fallopian tube to the uterus or womb. If it does not need a male cell, it dies, and the lining of the uterus is shed as menstrual flow. But if it does need a male cell or spermatozoan, it may become fertilized. The fertilized egg then plants itself in the lining of the uterus, and no individual goes The male germ cell, the spermatozoan, is so small that it can only be seen with a microscope. It is shaped like a tadpole with a head and a long tail. A long lashing tail which propels it forward. Some 300 million spermatozoa enter the vagina during one sexual intercourse and begin their journey up the uterus in search of an ovum. Most of them die on the way. Some may reach the ovum, but only one succeeds in breaking through its outer shell. The gate then locks into it. This is the moment of fertilization. The head of the spermatozoa, which contains all hereditary traits of the father, joins the central mass, the nucleus of the egg, which contains all the hereditary traits of the mother. A violent mixing of these two nuclear masses then takes place, and the hereditary traits of the baby are thereby determined, once and for all, his looks, his sex, and his inherent personality traits. Actually, it is the father that determines the sex of the baby. There are two kinds of spermatozoa present in equal number. If one kind fertilizes the egg, the baby will be a boy. If the other, it will be a girl. The fertilized egg begins to grow and divide at once. From one cell, many cells are formed, and gradually it begins to take on form. When it is about a week old, it plants itself in the wall of the uterus. It sends out finger-like projections into the lining of the uterus, which reach the mother's blood vessels and form the link between mother and baby. This connecting link is known as the placenta, or afterbirth. It grows into a reddish-gray mass that looks like a pancake on the wall of the uterus. It acts as the baby's しかし、
Beware, doll, you're bound to fall. No, they're all kidding you. You used to laugh about everybody that was hanging out. Now, you don't talk so loud. Now, you, you don't seem so proud about having to be scrounging for your next meal. How does it feel? How does it feel to be without a home? Like a complete unknown. Like a rolling stone. Now, we've gone to the finest school, all right, Miss Lonely. But you know you only used to get juiced in it. And nobody ever taught you how to live on the street, and now you gotta get used to it. You said you'd never compromise with a mystery tramp. But now you realize you ain't selling any alibis if you stare into the vacuum of his eyes and ask him, you wanna make a deal? How does it feel? How does it feel to be without a home like a complete unknown? Like a rolling stone. You never turned round to see the frowns on the jugglers and the clowns when they all came down and did tricks for you. Never understood that it ain't no good. You should let other people get your kicks for you. You used to ride on the chrome horse with your diplomat who's carried on his shoulders von Bertolanzi, I think, who said in his book General Systems Theory, he said, people are not machines, but in every opportunity where they are allowed to behave like machines, they will so behave. 
In other words, we tend to fall into the well of habit, though the glory of our humanness is our spontaneous creativity, we too, as creatures of physics and chemistry, of memory and hope, tend to fall into repetitious patterns. And these repetitious patterns are uh, the depth of creativity. They diminish our humanness. They diminish our individuality, make each of us somehow like cogs in some larger system. And we, we associate this cog-like membership in larger soulless systems with the machines that we inherit from the age of the internal combustion engine, the age of the jet engine. You know, Marshall McLuhan said we navigate our way into the future like someone driving who uses only the rearview mirror to tell them where they're going. It's, it's not a very successful strategy for navigating into the future. So I made a number of uh, notes on, on this matter of psychedelics and machines. To me, the, the connecting bridge, well, there are many, but the, the most obvious one is consciousness expansion. After all, uh, psychedelics, before they were called entheogens, before they were called hallucinogens, before they were called psychedelics, they were simply called consciousness-expanding drugs. Good phenomenological description of what they do. And certainly the technology of cybernetics is a consciousness-expanding technology. It expands a different area of consciousness. The minds of machines and the minds of human beings are very different. So different that each party questions whether the other even has a mind. But in fact, what these are are species of minds operating in very different domains. For instance, you can ask a five-year-old child to go into the bedroom, to the third drawer of the dresser, to select a pair of black socks and to bring them to mother. This is not a challenge for a five-year-old child. To get a machine to do this is a hundred million dollars and a research team of 40 or 50 technicians, code writers, working months. On the other hand, if you ask a person for the cube root of 750,344, much head-scratching results. Uh, a computer is utterly undaunted by that question. So computers are minds that work in the realm of computation. And human minds are minds spatial coordination, understanding of natural language, so forth and so on. Are these kinds of minds so different from each other pilgrims that there is no bridge to be crossed? I would submit not that, in fact, 
bridge between the human mind and the machine mind is symbolic logic, mathematics. When we think clearly, we are intelligible to machines. People who write code know this, that the essence of making yourself clear to a machine is to think clearly yourself. The machine has no patience for the half-truth, the analogy, the semi-grasp of association. For the machine, everything has to be clear. Everything must be defined. So that's the commonality between the mind and machine. What are the common branches between psychedelics and the suggestion is that the function of the brain and nervous system and sense organs is in the main eliminated and not productive. Each person is at each moment capable of remembering all that has ever happened to him and of perceiving everything that is happening everywhere in the universe. The function of the brain and nervous system is to protect us from being overwhelmed and confused by this mass of largely useless and irrelevant knowledge by shutting out most of what we should otherwise perceive or remember at any moment and leaving only that very small and special selection which is likely to be practically useful. According to such a theory, each one of us is potentially mind at large. But insofar as we are animals, our business is at all costs to survive. To make biological survival possible, mind at large has to be so good you don't even know how good I'm being I've had so many opportunities you don't even know it's so I'm weird being. it's like it's like we come to Europe and everybody wants to mount us it's so weird it's so weird I can't 
Startling discoveries often result. A medium of our time, electric circuitry, profoundly involves men with one another. Information pours information instantaneously. And information as soon as information is acquired, very rapidly, our electrically configured world has forced us to move from the habit of data classification, no longer molding past recognition, block by block. We can no longer build a series block by block, because instant communication is sure that all factors in the environment are work us over completely. They are so pervasive in their
Why can't you call her yourself? You know I'm no good on the phone. She'll say yes if you do the asking. No, shh. Hello? Uh, <clears throat> hi. Who is this? Well, I'm calling for a friend. Calling for a friend? He'd like to ask you out. You know, to the dance Friday night. Well, if he wants to ask me out, why doesn't he do it himself? Come on, guy. Think of something. Well, I guess it's because he's not too good on the phone. And, well, he thought you'd turn him down. Well, he's right. Huh? I know who your friend is, and I'd love to go to the dance with him. But not unless he asks me himself. So I guess I'll have to tell you no. Bye. Just goes to show you, when you want something done you like, it's best to do it yourself. And that includes asking girls out on dates. No matter. I'm Bill. This is Ted. We're from the future. Socrates. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with him. <clears throat> All we are is dust in the wind, dude. Dreamers and poets and clowns 
But bold is the ship bound for Alpha Centauri And nothing can turn it around But we must believe in magic We must believe in the guiding hand Cause if you believe in magic You have the universe at your command we must believe in magic We must believe in the guiding hand Cause if you believe in magic you have the universe at your command We must believe in magic We must believe in the guiding hand Cause if you believe